Ladies and gents, welcome to the Landlord Page podcast and thanks for checking in on this week's episode with Scott. Now, Scott is a mortgage advisor. He's a property investor. He's a very, very switched on gentleman with a lot of property experience. I've got him on this week because I want to find out exactly why he bought three buy-to-lets in Lincoln and as a mortgage advisor himself, how he's finding the trends and the shifts within the market over the last couple of months. I think it comes down to people's risk adverse and how risky they want to be, um, especially depending on what their plans are um, mm. with, with their own personal life. And if they're moving home, if they're starting a family, if they're recently going self-employed. So it depends what they're doing at the time. Yeah. But my attitude is as long as the property is not losing me money, mm-hmm. um, then it's a good investment because... Yep statistically it's going to go up anywhere from three to five percent year on year mm-hmm. um obviously i know we're in a slightly different situation at the moment um because the property prices have just massively gone up over the last five ten years even the last two yeah. years right yeah. with everything that's gone on um but then if you keep hold of the property it will eventually sort of go back up to where you need it to be scott works for or i should say works for scott owns sws financial he's been in the mortgage game for four plus years and his business started just inside one year ago so great guy going to be asking him all sorts of questions but i'm first going to kick off this episode and find out for someone that lives in the south of england why did he buy his first three property investments for his portfolio in lincoln let's find out let's get him in Scott, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. No worries. I, I'm really excited. We've got someone in the room finally that's a mortgage advisor, understanding the market, property, but also a property investor yourself. So we've got a lot to cover today. Yeah, we've got a lot to cover, a lot to catch up on as well. So thank you for inviting me down. Yeah, very welcome. Very welcome. So the first thing, let, let's let's start on the buy-to-lets. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I'm interested to know is how someone's mindset goes into I'm now going to buy a property and use it as an asset rather than mm-hmm. use it as a property to live in. Yeah. So it's very topical and relevant to obviously this particular podcast. But what mm-hmm. was that process in your head? Why did you think it was a good idea and, and why did you end up going through with it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think everyone's got a slightly different answer to this because it, it comes down to what your personal goals are, aspirations mm-hmm. and what you're interested in as well. So my decision came down to, I was always interested in property. So I started as an estate agent at Mm -hmm. 18 um, and did that for about four years or so and really enjoyed it. Um, So always being passionate about property and then I went into mortgages. Um, But in terms of the property investor myself, I am very keen on having financial freedom Mm -hmm. in the future, um, but also being able to decide when I want to retire as opposed to state retirement age at 68 or whatever it may be. And I felt that property is probably one of the best ways to create financial freedom, Mm -hmm. to have a passive income, um, and you get capital growth as well. And being in, in the UK, especially in the South where we are, we always see capital growth. And I think statistically every 15 to 20 years properties are doubling yeah um but as i said you get the passive income as well so i said to myself after i got my first home which i've had for about four years now i've always wanted to get into to buy to lets um because it's it's a good investment um but then obviously on the flip side you've got pensions as well so i, I worked out what was best for me at the state at that time and i decided that i wanted to jump into to buy to lets so you kind of i guess cast in the web putting eggs in different baskets and yeah you've got your business you've got your pension planning and then you've got your property planning as well and, and anything else that comes along yeah. down the line just trying to build some revenue streams i think i think the pension planning is probably something that 
a lot of people do. I know with my buy to lets, my mm-hmm. idea was to have the mortgages paid off by the time I turned 50. That was sure. my ultimate goal when I purchased them. So when I said to the broker at the time, right, I need this one on a 19-year mortgage, the, the last one that I'd bought. And he was like, what? I was like, okay, well, I'm 31. I want it paid off by the time I turned 50. Was this a buy to let? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we did that on a repayment plan for 19 years. And okay. I think there's 11 years left on mm-hmm. that particular one now. So that was that was my thought process. It was always about long term. I didn't really worry about making any money monthly sure. as long as it sort of washed face. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there might be people that have bought buy to lets in the low, the record low mm-hmm. mortgage rates, you know, sub 1% type stuff mm-hmm. that maybe their fixed terms are going to come up in two years time. With your mortgage advisor hat, are you worried that maybe some of those landlords might sort of almost go from breaking even or making a little bit of profit to potentially the other? Yeah, um, and, and all three. And I've had a few clients recently, a couple of good friends of mine that have had their buy to let products come to an end, which they fixed either five years ago. So about four and a half years, you can yeah. now start the remortgage process or two years ago, where, as you said, the base rate was 0.1. So mm-hmm. pretty much nothing. Um, and the buy to let products were probably anywhere from early ones to about 2%. And over the last seven or eight months, in some cases, they've tripled. Um, I've got a friend of mine, for example, he's got a property in Bracknell. His mortgage payments have gone from 330 to £1,100 wow. on interest only. What's the um, rent? And the rent has just been increased to ele- from 1150 to 1300 So he's just making a profit. Yeah. But once you take out agency fees, yeah, tax, insurance. Um, insurance, and everything else, bit of maintenance, it's just um, just breaking his face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then the 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 arguments that is, you've still got the capital growth, um, and if the property is paying for itself, then then that's fine, um, because if you did decide to sell it, you're going to have to pay capital gains tax, you're going mm-hmm. to pay estate agency fees, and and everything else that comes with that. So I think people have got a lot of difficult decisions to make at the moment. Um, but I think it also depends where they are in life. Mm-hmm. So if they're at sort of the, the younger stage and they want to invest and sort of keep growing their portfolio, then they're fine with it. But if you're if you're probably in the older part of your life and you're sort of thinking about your retirement more, then some people are definitely coming out the market for sure. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because when you when we look at it that way and you think, okay, that property is washing face, some people will turn their nose up at that. But actually, when you think about it in uh, in property investing, I always look at property investing's biggest rival is the stock market sure. and people invest in the stock market, but they don't invest and get a return. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some are set up on dividends and stuff, <clears throat> but you don't invest monthly in a in a loan and get a return on it. Yeah. You just put money in there and you hope that the stock market or your stock improves. Yeah. Um, that's the gamble. But with property, it's very much the same. Even if I was losing 50, 100 pounds a month, but my mortgage is being paid off, my tenant's still paying the bulk of my Mm -hmm. 800 quid a month mortgage or in in your friend's case, 1100. Um, That's not a bad thing as long as the property is is going up in time. And there's obviously dips and things in the market, but it is is a funny way that we look at property investing sometimes. Yeah, it's a really funny way. And I think it comes down to people's risk adverse and how risky they want to be. Um, especially depending on what their plans are mm-hmm. um, with with their own personal life and if they're moving home, if they're starting a family, if they're recently going self-employed. So it depends what they're doing at the time. Yeah. But my attitude is as long as the property is not losing me money, mm-hmm. um, then it's a good investment because yeah. statistically it's going to go up anywhere from 3 to 5%. 
year on year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I know we're in a slightly different situation at the moment um, because the property prices have just massively gone up over the last five, 10 years, even the last two yeah. years, right, yeah. with everything that's gone on. Um, but then if you keep hold of the property, it will eventually sort of go back up to where you need it to be. So with with the journey that you went on, with obviously former estate agent, mortgage advisor, property owner, planning for the future, not everyone does at a young age. Often, sometimes people get too later in life and they go, right, I better plan for the future. It's too late. <laughs> this, yeah. You know, you're kind of 55 or whatever, and you can <clears throat> still make that work. But if you do it at a much younger age, then the mm-hmm. win is, is obviously going to be more significant. What was the process in terms of how you selected the region you ended up investing? Mm-hmm. And so how did that come about? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's it's something that I still haven't totally decided on in terms of where's the best area, but I always feel that you need to invest in a few different areas yep. um, to spread your risk. Mm. Um, but um, I initially looked in Liverpool, um, we looked in Birmingham, and then we looked in sort of the northeast a little bit as well, um, and then decided to buy in Lincoln. Um, and the main reason for that is a really good student town. Mm-hmm. Um, the properties are a fair value. Um, and the rental yield's quite high. Um, so yeah, went up to Lincoln for the day, uh, saw a couple of properties, um, and we thought they were quite a good opportunity because there was, there was two we actually bought down the same road being mm-hmm. sold by the same owner. Okay. So we thought that we should be able to get a reasonably good deal if we bought both of them. Yeah. So uh, decided in Lincoln at the end, and mainly I looked in Lincoln to start with because a friend of mine has a couple of properties there and they've been quite successful with um, their rentals there. So I think there was a case study of evidence that you sort of followed, which I think that's quite common. You either invest locally where you know, or you kind of follow someone else's success, success trails, doesn't it? Uh, but I think it's really difficult to decide where to invest. One, especially if you don't know the areas, if it's more than an hour away, if you're yeah. not going to know the area at all. Um, but then also what type of properties do you go for? Whether it's just a single let house or flat, HMO, uh, multi-unit block, whatever it may be, it's then deciding on the area, but then also the type of properties that you want to go for. What, what type was it that you bought? Was it a house? So I've got three in Lincoln, okay. completed them two in um, October and then one at the end of January just gone. And they are all uh, four bedroom HMOs, okay. Okay. Uh, two rented to students and then one rented to professionals. Um, in hindsight now, um, I would probably have spread the risk a little bit more um, because with COVID and everything that's happened over the last two and a half, three years, there's been a lot of students that haven't made the big friendship groups where they have done in previous years because they've either been at home or whatever it may be and they haven't been going out as much. So they have found that the two and three bedrooms have been more popular compared to the four, five, six beds compared to previous years. Yeah, because before you would probably find you'd, one person would almost go out and find the property and then the yeah. other three, four, five would follow. Yeah. But now, obviously, if the circle is much smaller mm-hmm. or if you're on your own, I guess, and going yeah. into you know new sort of uni, then, yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So the four beds have been hard to fill one of the rooms, have they? Or uh, Yes, we've, we've rented them out on like one AST, so one rental agreement. We've got one that's rented for the next academic year, so 23, 24. Um, so our current tenancy ends in June, and then it starts again in August. So we get about sort of four weeks to do any repairs or anything like that. Um, and then the other property, we've had quite a lot of interest on it, but for one reason or another, we haven't had an offer yet. Um, but we've got a couple more viewings over the next few days or so. So hopefully that gets rented. Um, if not, obviously looking at maybe looking at the price, mm-hmm. potentially looking to switch it to professionals, and or worst case, it's to switch it to a family home. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a good thing about when you're looking at HMO properties, you've always got options to uh, rent it out a different way, worst case scenario. Yeah, you can fall back and take less of a yield, but yeah. have the security of the family. And, and Again, what... it falls back to as long as it doesn't cost you money. Yeah, exactly. It's, as it's... long as your finances are set up, yeah. you've got the fallback worst case scenario option. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure as a mortgage advisor you did. Yes, I did. Yes, heavily, yeah. <laughs> what's um, what's the price of a four bed up there? What was the cheapest one you bought? So uh, we got the two that were being sold by the same owner at 190 okay. um, each. Yeah. And then the other one was, so we uh, initially bought it, offer accepted at 181 because um, we were bidding with someone else initially, went at 180, 181, secured it, got downvalued to 168. Right seller wasn't willing to take that and wanted us to meet them in the middle um, and at the time it was when interest rates were going up buy to let products were being pulled or all mm -hmm. products were being pulled at the time um, so we knew that we had that to our advantage and if they didn't negotiate with us they probably wouldn't have sold the property yeah um, so we said look we're, we're not willing to offer any more than the 168 which is what it's valued at um, and they said look we're not we're not taking that so we left it there they put it back on the market i think they probably had some viewings but no better offers than that and then i think four or five weeks later i contacted the agent because i saw it still available mm. and they said would they be willing to accept an offer now and we got accepted at 162. wow even lower so nearly was it nineteen thousand less than what we agreed at two or three months before that's i mean from your point of view as an investor it just shows patience logic not acting yeah. on emotion yeah is is a big difference because that's had a a massive difference to obviously the oh, equity gain difference. on that one as well over the yeah. next 10 20 years however long you yeah. own it so yeah that's a huge win there and i think that massively comes down to why you're buying the property because as you said there's no the, there's no really emotion involved. Um, it's not a house that I'm going to move into or ever go into. Mm -hmm. um, so as long as the numbers work, it's a good opportunity. Um, but then on, on the flip side, if you look at it from a family home, if you were buying it, then you might have found the money another way. Yeah. Um, but I think the advice that I give to my clients as investors is as long as the numbers work and you think this is a property that will be a good investment long term, mm -hmm. go for it. Yeah, I think I, I'm writing a guide at the moment for home movers, in particular, more families that are looking to sell and buy. And one of the things that I put in there is about looking at your best and worst case scenario yeah. and going to a mortgage consultation with an advisor and asking best and worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, if I sold my property that's worth 440 for 415 yeah. and best case scenario, if I got the 440 what does that look like in terms of what I can achieve and what I can get? Because where most home movers, more in residential than investment, where most homeowners go wrong is they get a valuation, they tell the mortgage advisor that's what they're going to achieve, the mortgage advisor writes that down, they run yeah. the numbers on getting that, yeah. they go to the market and 10 weeks later they've got 25 grand less deposit yeah. for the next purchase and they can't get the house mm -hmm. with the extra ensuite or with the extra bedroom that they wanted or the garage yeah. on the side, it's integral, whatever, and it, it ruins the dream a little bit. Yeah. Um, it definitely does. And I always, on the initial call with clients, if, if they're sellers, of course, and they're, they're moving home, I always ask them, what's the valuation they've had from a state agent? It's usually going to be what it's going to go on the market for. And it might be a little bit less, obviously, depending on what market we're in, maybe a year ago, then you'll get that if, if yeah, not if over. More, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now things are slightly different. So um, especially if clients that either all their um, Equity, equity is going towards the deposit, stamp duty, legal fees, yeah. and everything like that. Um, compared to some clients who have money in savings, you know, if if they're 
um, cost of moving is coming from equity, then it's a slightly different conversation mm-hmm. um, because they've got the the savings in the bank to, to potentially help out there. But um, yeah, I'm really careful with clients these days if they're tight on affordability or not have much cash in the bank. It's so important because we digress from property investing, but just to general property here, but it's so important for people that are moving home, for people that are involved in the middle, the solicitor, the mortgage advisor, the estate agent, the bank or surveyor, everyone involved have to understand that the goal of someone that's selling a home, they're not selling a home because they want to sell a home. Mm -hmm. They're selling it because they need to, to finance the goal, which the goal is the change of area, the upsize, the downsize, whatever it may be, the features of the new property. And that's the ultimate Mm-hmm. tick box for that particular client and sometimes we get caught up in the transactional part of the middle bit and it's really important to think about it so let's let's talk about you as a mortgage advisor um you've been mortgage advising um for quite a few years now and you've actually just started your own business which i mentioned on the intro um sws financial how's that going challenging time obviously around mm-hmm. mini budget you must have launched yep. around mini budget uh, yeah so I, I launched in last summer um, so yeah, it's been a crazy last, what, eight or nine months or so. It's crazy yeah. how time, um, how quickly the time's gone. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I, cause I've been mortgage broken now for four years in total, uh, about eight months originally employed, um, and then self-employed before that, and then set up my own business. So I was kind of running my own business, mm-hmm. um, before launching it in my own company name, should we say. Um, but yeah, I found the market has been really good. I think it's been challenging. I think there's been a lot of, uh, change changes, especially with interest rates and people being concerned about uh, property values going down, interest rates going up, cost of living as well, which has taken a massive effect Mm -hmm. on that. But um, I think that things have got a lot better since the interest rates started to rise six months ago or so, Mm -hmm. because ever since... I would say October, November, the rates have started to come down. Yeah. Surprisingly, even though the base rate's gone up, yeah. interest rates, um, especially the, obviously the fixed products, have come down. Um, and a lot of them are, are from sort of the, the high street banks. Which well, I, I, I had don't a couple think... of our agents actually on that point. They, they uh, messaged me and said, how is the base rate four and the mortgage rates starting with a three? Like, yeah. how is that even possible? And mm-hmm. not everyone understands that, Obviously, the base rate has an impact on setting the tone for the interest rate, but inevitably, it's the swap rates, right, that, yes. that have the impact. Could you give us a little bit of explanation around that for someone that doesn't understand that's where the rates kind of get set from? Yeah, so it all depends on how much the bank is being charged to borrow that money so then they can lend it out to their customers. Um, but ultimately, I think when the uh, fixed rates are being um launched and in terms of like their new products that are coming out i think they knew the base rate everyone knew the base rate was going to be changing because i mm-hmm. think they predicted it was going to be around 5.2 so early fives mm-hmm. um and now they're probably expecting it to settle around four and a quarter four and a half yeah and we're at four now so i think a lot of the lenders that were looking at their fixed products over the last couple of months have taken into consideration that the base rate was going to rise um but yeah it's surprising that the fixed rates are so attractive at the moment mm-hmm. so went to a, a couple of clients yesterday um, and the fixed rates are some are just above base rate mm-hmm. which is surprising for a lot of people considering what's happened over the last seven or eight months or so yeah um, but yeah it's it's interesting to see what lenders are doing and sort of how products are at the moment um, and things are changing constantly so what's available today might not be available um, in a few days time or, or certainly not in a couple of weeks because these products they they get dipped into the market there's a bit click 
clickbait involved. Of course there is. Yeah. HSBC are the worst for it. I, I don't know whether you can say that, but I can. They're the worst for the clickbait kind of, this is the headline mortgage and they might release like 50 of them that day and sure. no one's getting them or whatever it may be. But what I'm interested to talk about is the five-year money seems to be the, the, the best and the cheapest deals mm-hmm. at the moment or, yeah. or it has been the last couple of months. So why is it that a bank wants a client to engage in a cheaper interest rate for five years compared to the same property they may be purchasing or remortgaging for two-year money? What's the logic that's going through the bank's mind in that situation? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think um, obviously being in mortgages for for four years or so, um, I've only seen interest rates being really low, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that with the um, two years and the five year fixed comparison, they've the two years have always been cheaper. Yeah, because it's a it's a lower risk, right? Mm. Um, but then with the five years now being cheaper than the two years, and pretty much every lender, and it's been on the same app for for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it mainly comes down to lenders probably. Uh, know that the Bank of England base rate isn't going to be this high for this long. Um, And they know that they're trying to get customers tied into uh, five-year products. And the way they can entice people to do that is by offering them cheaper deals. Because in some cases, it could be a saving of, obviously, depending on how big your mortgage is and what term, it could be a saving of a few hundred pound a month. Mm -hmm. So a lot of clients, although it probably probably starts with an early four or mid four for a five-year fix, which over the last 10 years is high, but considering what we've been through the last seven or eight months, it's reasonably low. And I think if people are comfortable with that payment, then they're choosing the five-year fix as opposed to the two. Um, because again, there's still a little bit of uncertainty what's going to happen over the next 12 to 24 months. I think people in, if they could set that up with their bills, you know, if they yeah. could pay X amount of money on their water, their gas, their electric, mm-hmm. their fuel, whatever it may be, their shopping, yeah. <laughs> all of these things, if they could just have flat rates, they'd pay a little bit extra just to know that that's me locked in for the next three years, yes. calculate where they need to be. Okay, so I've got X amount of money at the end of the month, f- spare or free, or this is where I'm going to sit. People want that kind of security, don't they? Yeah. Really? Is that why you think, I mean, I don't know what the percentage split is, that, and, and maybe you've got a rough idea for your clients, but tracker versus fixed, mm-hmm. I would say what eighty percent, ninety percent normally is fixed. Is is that the same mindset? Yeah. So in in the last sort of six months or so, I've done more trackers than I have in four years of being a mortgage broker, and I think that mainly comes down to the trackers being, in a lot of cases, a lot cheaper than fixed. And we're talking anywhere from one to even 2% in some cases, whether the fixed products went up, some some were high fives, early sixes, where the trackers were sort of four to, to mid fours. Mm. Um, so it made a massive difference to clients' monthly payments. And a lot of tracker products, especially the high street lenders, um, they come with no early repayment charge. Yep. Therefore, how I was positioning it to the clients, I usually always give them options in terms of these are the products that are available at the moment, tracker, two-year, five-year, and then sort of discuss them in more detail. Um, but a lot of the trackers, especially from the, the high street lenders, they've come with no early repayment charge. So if clients were saving a couple of hundred pounds a month on a tracker, um, but were a little bit risk adverse and didn't want to sit on that for too long, 
we could sort of monitor the market to sort of see what the fixed rate products were doing. Mm -hmm. And if they started to come down um, or if the clients were moving, because a lot of clients are looking to move as well. So it gives them flexibility. Then we can move over to a fixed product with no early repayment charge at all. There's usually an admin fee of anywhere from 30 to 50 pound. Mm -hmm. um, but for the sake of having complete flexibility, a lot of people were choosing trackers um, but there's now a lot of people. So I, I recently emailed all my clients that I did trackers for over the last six months to arrange appointments with them to give them an update on what the market's doing and whether they're either looking to move or whether they're looking to move over to a fix because they're now more attractive. I think that's really important. I've almost got in my head if I was a broker <laughs> thinking these are all my tracker clients and I've almost got them on a, a traffic light system sure. to say these these are green they're good they're, they're on those good trackers that's fine yeah. even if it goes to four and a half they're, they're absolutely fine yeah these are kind of sat in amber if it goes up again we need to have a chat and now it's gone up to four these red ones probably need to be flipping over yeah. and, and having a broker that looks after you in that way as a client i think is value for life really isn't it yeah oh definitely and, and that's one of the main reasons i, I set up my own business because i um, felt as a, a gap in the market for sort of giving sound advice and making sure clients were fully updated throughout the whole process not yeah. just doing their first mortgage and locking that in and speak to you in two or five years but just continuously keeping them updated throughout the process especially on products um even this morning, I, I quoted a client for Barclays to give you an example. So a two-year fix was 4.3 and the tracker was 4.36. Wow. So it makes sense going for the, the fixed, right? It's not going down anytime it's, it's, soon, is it? No, it's yeah. not going down. Yeah. It's potentially going to get worse yeah. before it gets better. So um, for a lot of people at the moment, considering whether to go for a fixed or a tracker, it does depend on the type of loan you've got, uh, the loan to value, the term, and whether you're thinking of moving, because mm -hmm. obviously you don't really want to tie into a lender if you're thinking of moving later this year, depending on your situation, because you can port mortgages. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's... Um, it's crazy how much things have changed over the last six months. People try and time the market and it's I, impossible. I, it's, it's so difficult. I mean, yeah. we, we mentioned it 10 minutes ago that the base rate was 0.1%. So pretty much nothing, right? It's, it absolutely the insane. It's ever been. And you think, <laughs> well, no one's going on a tracker at that point because it's not going down. No. It's only going up. But then for me personally, my, my residential remortgage is due May next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those guys that I did a three year and I nearly did the five and I sh should have done the five and I didn't. Hindsight's a wonderful Hindsight thing, Hindsight is, eh? is a bitch. Um, <laughs> but that happened. So in my head, I'm now thinking, well, if, if base rate tops out at 4.25, which is personally where I think it sure. may do, um, and that happens somewhere before summer of this year, I've almost got 10 months before remortgage. And as long as things are feeling a bit more secure and a bit more level, my thought is that probably around the time that I'm looking to remortgage within the next six months, we might see that base rate creeping back down. And if I was to go on record and I'm being filmed and recorded, so I effectively am, I would think that it'll be 3.25, three and a half, maybe even three by the end of next year. The, the, base, the rate? base rate? Yeah. That would be my gut in terms of... So should we write that down? <laughs> I, I, as, there's as, two as cameras a... here, so it, it's there. That, that would be what I think will yeah. probably happen. Um, so for me, I am in that mode of if the tracker is appealing, yeah. I think I might see the base rate dropping. Mm -hmm. So it might make sense for me on my mortgage to yeah. go with a tracker and reap the benefits. Yeah. Um, but it, 
it's a long way away. It's a year away, and, and who knows what the market will bring. Timing the market. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to time the market for mortgages and, and interest rates, but also moving. You know, there's been a lot of people that have said to me, with their clients, friends, or people you just meet in the street, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying that property markets go crash. They've yeah. been saying that for five years. Yeah. Nothing's really changed in the last four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Over the last six months, there's been a lot of changes. Um, I'm sure you have sort of looked at all, all, all the stats in terms of property pricing, sale agreed, and, and everything else. I think it's it's settled. It might be on a slight downturn. Yeah, I mean, the stats um, for the first six weeks of 2023, it's pretty simple in terms of where we were last year, freak market, yeah. but, you know, start of 2022, there was about half the amount of properties 60% of the amount of properties coming to the market in comparison to the amount that were selling. Okay. So we had a huge um, pendulum shift in terms yeah. of more sales being agreed to listings, which is unheard of for the start of the year market because you yeah. normally find Christmas has happened. You've got all of the first-time buyers coming together to buy the cheaper properties. You've got all of the divorces and splits after Christmas. It just happens. Yeah. You know, three normally two in three valuations for a family home is because of a split after Christmas. Apparently, families hate each other. Um, You've got the three Ds for selling, right? You've got that's death, it. divorce and yeah. death, right? And, and this this happens and you normally find more listings but last year it was the opposite well this year it's just gone back to normal yeah there's more there's about there's about 150 percent of properties coming to the market to what's selling yeah so that's normal at this time and the most in-demand properties the actual average house price of sales achieved to listed um after four weeks of 2023 was around 420 average mm-hmm. house price listed and around 320 sold Okay. So it's not that there's a 100K swing. It's just that there's more younger buyers, first-time buyers buying. And that's so normal for the market. So it feels, for me, someone that's done it 20 years, as normal as it's felt for the last five years. Yeah. Well, I think when you say normal as well, I think the last two and a half years haven't been normal. Absolutely not. So I kind of think statistically-wise, we're probably similar to what it was pre-pandemic, would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um, In terms of the housing market. And yeah, I've noticed that there's been a lot more first-time buyers that are coming to the market. And I think one of the reasons for that, well, there's a couple of reasons, but I think one of the most important ones is the first-time buyers, don't they've got nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's new. The property prices are what they are. They've got nothing to compare prices to. Yep. Um, but also interest rates. If I tell a first-time buyer, your interest rate is going to be yeah. four and a half, five percent 5%, they're like, okay, no worries. Yeah. As long as it fits within their affordability, and obviously we can increase term. Now we can go 35. Some lenders even do 40 years. Um, as long as it fits within their budget, it doesn't really matter too much what the interest rate is, as long as they can afford it, um, because they're most likely going to be their long term. It's their residential home. It's most likely going to be cheaper than renting. I could always say that the last 10 years, yeah, maybe yeah. not now. Well, no, um, rental prices are going crazy. But so. rental prices have gone crazy as yeah. well. Um, as, but it's, it's difficult for landlords. I know we're specifically talking about landlords at the, the start of this call, but I think for landlords where their interest rates in some case have gone up three to four times, yeah. um, rent hasn't gone up four times. No. It's gone up 15, 20%, yeah. um, but it hasn't gone up four times, of course. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been really difficult um, changing the subject slightly for, for landlords, uh, especially with interest rates and deciding what to do with products, whether to keep the property, whether to go on trackers, two year, five years, um, because they have to ensure that they're not losing money every month. That's why um, we on this podcast, we we really embrace the family homes. We, yeah. we really think it's worth being patient. Um, and unless you've got a leasehold, absolute chop out bargain or a fixer up or something that's just a no brainer, good asset to purchase, 
going for a three bed semi detached house or a three bed terrace or a four bed you know property it is the no brainer because even if as we're talking about rents and mortgages it deviates month by month in the long term that mm-hmm. asset grows better the family homes are the last to go down and the first to go up yeah. so the equity should counter strip any issues you have mm-hmm. with the rent in reality um and i think even if we we you know we think about the craziness that we had for lockdown covid Mm -hmm. housing minister stamp duty holiday Mm -hmm. you know up to 15 grand saved on tax then we've had the whole kind of mini budget hand grenade and mortgages for the first time in since i can ever think of were just not available it was like we just had that week didn't we it was Mm -hmm. like Oh, what do we do? Yeah, and so much uncertainty in, in, so in that much. couple of weeks. Yeah, and even three years prior to COVID, we had the whole Brexit yeah. catastrophe. So that was kind of causing the market to do what it's doing. So we've mm-hmm. not really seen a normal market for a long time. No. It feels as normal as I felt it for the last five years at the moment. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's always changing as well. But for for people that are new into the industry, it's it's a very difficult timing because yeah. it's been the last three years have been so good. Um, for people buying properties, especially investment properties, because the interest rates have been really low. Um, but I think now it's getting a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of more people competing for business. Um, but also, especially with the buy-to-lets, it's slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main reason for that is because of the interest rates. Yeah. Because especially properties down here in the south, where you're probably getting anywhere from 4 to 6% yield, if your interest rate is 5 mm-hmm. or 6 um, you're unfortunately losing money every month but then the, the lenders wouldn't lend you the the money if it didn't meet their stress test yeah um so i think there's been a lot of people that haven't bought buy to let properties over the last six months which would have done especially in the south um but i think now interest rates are coming down people know their money their money is um going down with inflation in the bank um so they want to invest in property so i think moving forward into the year as rates hopefully still continue to come down for the buy to let market there'll be more and more landlords that are looking to expand their portfolio or even first time landlords that are looking to get their their first investment yeah i think there'll be a lot of business owners i mean i talked to a lot of business owners that are jv and joint venturing with Mm -hmm. another business owner for strength in numbers and security. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about your buy-to-let, you, you were saying we, so something similar to what you've done probably. And I think there'll be, there's a couple of things, I mean, we're going, I'm going to go rogue at the end of this <laughs> podcast now, but there's a couple of things that people don't bear in mind, especially for property investing with the market. AI is now crazy in the marketing space, but the programs that are being created through Microsoft for AI we're only a, a month, two months, less than a year away from AI being able to effectively spit out the data that property investors have been crying out for. Because mm-hmm. AI can do that. It can go and troll right move and say, these have been on the market for X amount of time. They can search the owner, the land registry. They can find out who's got debt, mortgage, who's had babies, who's got car finances, mm-hmm. and they can spit out and say, this is your top 10 hit list properties across the country. Mm-hmm. AI can do that. We yeah. we couldn't do that, but AI can do that. We could, but it would take hours. It would take ages to do, hours, yeah. to do thousands of properties. AI yeah. can do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. So once that program's built, that's going to make a massive change because you've got uh, an investing guide and blueprint mm-hmm that's sourced through the use of artificial intelligence, which is crazy, but it's there. And then you've also got the element of blockchain just pushing hard to be involved in the property transaction, whether that's communicating mortgage offers with solicitors and surveyors and estate agents and clients all at the same time to speed it up, 
or whether it's facilitating some sort of finance element of things and almost removing banks from the equation potentially mm -hmm. into funding and things like that. So there's two way rogue conversations there for another time, yeah. but they will come into the property mm -hmm. market. And when they do, it will be like a stamp duty holiday because it gives people other options to, to go and purchase property that they couldn't have done before, basically. So. Definitely. And I think at the moment, especially in the news, there's been a lot of doom and gloom with interest rates and property prices falling. And it depends who you mm. talk to, right? It yeah. depends where they are in their life and whether they're a business owner or, or have got buy to lets or looking to invest money in property. A lot of the uh, news is that property prices are going to fall. Mm. Um, but with interest rates still continue to go down. I think obviously there's more schemes that are helping first time buyers to get onto the ladder. There's been the slight incentive for stamp duty that changed yep. in September last year, I believe it was, um, that are now saving roughly 1500 pound on, on every um, investment you buy or, or even if you're moving home. But I genuinely think that there might be a rise in property prices this year depending on what happens. Because um, at the end of the day, it depends what property you buy as well. If you're an investor that is looking to buy a property in really good condition and rent out straight away, mm -hmm. then that may not see an increase in value over the next 12 to 24 yeah. months. Yeah. But if you're buying a property that's maybe a repossession, it's a probate, the person's got really bad debt and they need to get rid of the property quickly. If you can get it below market value for a good price and improve the property, whether that's by uh, renovating it, doing an extension, changing it from a four bedroom house to a HMO, that property's probably going to go up in value maybe 15 to 20% just by you doing your improvements. Yep. And if you're looking to keep hold of that house uh, long term, then it's a good investment for you. Um, there's a lot of properties that I've seen personally as, as obviously looking to invest in, in more property this year that you can get, there's more properties coming to the market that are repossessions yep. um, or that are probates or properties that are really run down that sellers are taking offers for, especially if they're motivated where this time 12 months ago, you wouldn't be able to, to maybe get it below five, 10% less than what you maybe can now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen north of the Birmingham border, um, <laughs> as we call it down south, there is auction galore going yes. on up there as well. So it's it's a crazy time. And I, you know, I, I think if we think about, it's quite an interesting subject that you mentioned there, you think property prices could go up this year. I think some areas and some types of properties, we could very easily see that. And if I was to, to pin it in where, in the south, looking at two bedroom houses, I would expect if I was to put a pin on anything that could go up in value, it would be them because tenants can't find anything. Yeah. It's very expensive. Um, the bank of mum and dad, I saw some mental stat. You might have seen it. I think it was a mortgage press about what the bank of mum and dad lend um, across the, I think it was the globe rather than the UK. It was something yeah. stupid like 20 trillion or something mental like that. Um <laughs> That that's there as an opportunity for first-time buyers to come out of the rental market because yeah. it's unaffordable, it's unachievable to find yeah. and go into property. Scott, we could talk all day about this and I think we'll probably um, have another chat maybe in, in sort of four or five months' time and see 
how many of our forecasting yeah. that we've done today. <laughs> we've gone brave on the camera today with forecasting and, yeah. and have another chat. But it's been awesome to have someone to, that's able to put their investment hat on, their buy-to-let mm-hmm. hat on, that's gone a little bit out of area as well and done something um, different to what a lot of people do for their first investing, which is normally investing locally, but also have a mortgage advisor on that clearly knows their stuff. So in the show notes, if you're listening, you've got all of Scott's details, his website, his contact information, if you want to have a chat with him and get in contact. Um, where are you putting out most of your messages at the moment? Is there a p- particular platform that people can come and hear more about you? Yeah, so m- most of my messages at the moment are just going out to my uh, existing clients or clients that I've got on my database that I've spoken to over the last few years or so that are uh, either landlords or mm-hmm. people that are thinking of moving to so do a lot of sort of marketing for them. Um, and then looking to sort of in- increase my social media uh, this year, um, but no, it's been um, it's been really good coming on, Ian. Uh, appreciate your time, and um, look forward to sort of seeing what our predictions um, are like in in yeah. a few months' time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you want to be part of that kind of exclusive um, email list of Scots, then let us know in the show notes. We can get that sorted out, and you can obviously get that updated information. It's nice that you've kind of got that to your clients because yes. it means it's more authentic the information. So and there's um, a lot of um, changes at the moment so as i said earlier with the the clients that are on trackers so yeah. i'm constantly sort of monitoring what their products are on what the fixed rates are so there's clients that i'm sure are worried about what interest rates are going to do but they're constantly getting sort of email updates uh from me um i think it just either gives them reassurance or it knows that they can give me a call to discuss their options in more detail yeah but i think one of the things you, you mentioned a moment ago which is I think massively helps me uh, win business, but also helps my clients um, feel uh, sure that they've chosen the right mortgage broker is by me being in the industry myself, being an estate agent at one point, um, but also being a property investor. Now, I have to give my professional advice Mm -hmm. as on mortgages and mortgage products and regulations, but I also give my personal advice on whether I think the property or the area is a good investment as well. Love that. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. So ladies and gents, it was just me for this one. And it was a it was a blast, actually. A long episode with Scott, but it absolutely flew by. And I think, first of all, what a switched on and educated, experienced property professional. To get a mortgage advisor on that's also a very active buy-to-let landlord is a really nice blend because it shows a confidence in the market, but it also shows they can practice what they preach. So as a mortgage advisor, it was really interesting, I found on this particular episode, talking about the fixed and the tracker trends and what's been going on there. I thought that was fantastic and insightful. Uh, Apologies if I went rogue with the AI question and discussion, but I feel quite passionate about that. I think that's something that's going to have an impact in the property market, even either in the next couple of years or maybe inside the next decade. It's definitely coming. It's going to have a positive impact. And also hearing about his story of how he's tried to set himself up with pension planning, um, a residential property, his buy-to-let and his business and how he's really looking at someone that's in their mid-20s that's got his head switched on very, very well in how he looks at future-proofing his life and becoming financially free, as he said. So it's a cracking episode. Thank you for checking in. As I said at the end of that conversation with Scott, show notes is where you're going to find all his details. If you've got any questions for me, you know where I am. And next week, we've got an absolute corker for you. So if you haven't already subscribed, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so you get the notification when the next week's episode drops on Friday. Have a good rest of the week, everyone. 
And flicking through YouTube and through Spotify, I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agent's ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They agents have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.